The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Engaging conversation with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Breaking news with Eileen Bell and sports with Morley Scott. This is the Afternoon News on 630 Chad, Edmonton's breaking news and conversation station. 206 on this Friday afternoon and turning into a beautiful day in the city of champions looking great right through the weekend up 25 degrees by Sunday 27 28 degrees to start the work week next week but we're not going to worry about the work week next week because only a couple of more hours my friends and we have two days in paradise whatever your paradise might be. Hope you're having a great day. It is Friday. Andrew is away today. He'll be back on Monday. On the show today, a number of things that we want to get into. We'll uh, check in with Nancy Hicks, who is the Global Calgary crime reporter who's been covering the Soretsky trial. We'll get an update from her. We're going to head up north, <laughs> and we're going to go um, dial up Dawson City, hopefully. We're just waiting to see if the bartender's out of bed. He's worked a, a long shift. And we're going to talk about the um, the missing sour toe. Did you hear about this? Someone snitched the sour toe out of that sour toe drink. And there was a big uh, hunt for it. And apparently it's been returned. We're going to talk to them about that. As well at uh, 3 o'clock, Blatchford Airfield is celebrating its 90th anniversary this weekend. You know it. Um, it has a great uh, history flying out of the out of the city of Edmonton for many many years now and and it wouldn't have been possible without Wap May, that famed aviator from Edmonton. Well, his son, Denny May, is going to join us at 3 o'clock, and we're going to talk about his dad, about the impact that his father had on the city of Edmonton. Did you know that Mayfield, the whole Mayfield area, was named after Wap May? I didn't know that until just today. So we're going to talk with with Denny May, the son of Wap May. There's an interesting story out today. Well, because we're coming up to... um. Canada's sesquicentennial, sesquicentennial, 150th anniversary. All these lists are coming out about the best of, the best of, the best of. And uh, a list came out today about the top 50 Canadian tunes. And I'm not sure that you, Chedville, are going to agree with all of them. Uh, but I want to hear uh, from you this afternoon at 6.30, 6.30, the most Canadian tune, the one that resonates as, yes, this is Canada. For you, we'll uh, we'll play some of those tunes. We will hear uh, some of those songs. We'll hear from you, your thoughts on it. And I, I really can't believe the, the song that came in number one. But to start things off this afternoon here at uh, 10 Minutes After 2, there's a drug out there called mefloquine. It's an anti-malaria drug that was, that was given to Canadian soldiers who went to Somalia, who went to Rwanda, even Afghanistan. It's been in the news for years now because some veterans say it gave them mood issues, sleep disorders, aggression, depression, memory loss, and in some cases, permanent brain damage. 
Recently, a Veterans Affairs Committee spent nine months studying veterans' mental health, and through that, this drug became a big topic. Now, since the release of that report, the Armed Forces has announced the drug will not be offered as a first option for anti-malaria treatment, but many are saying that much more needs to be done. Barry Innisfel MP John Broussard was on that committee. He is also the PC critic for Veterans Affairs. He joins me this afternoon. Mr. Broussard, thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Now, so the CDS, Jonathan Vance, ordered the study last fall. Tell me about the nine-month process. Who did you talk to and what did you hear? Well, uh, you know, I got on the committee back in October after I was named critic for Veterans Affairs, so I'd missed the first couple of meetings, Mm -hmm. but it became very clear uh, during the course of our study that, uh, and the study was related to mental health and PTSD, so it became very clear uh, you know, like any committee of parliament, you start off in a certain direction and then you end up going down a different path. Well, the path that we uh, went down uh, involved uh, methylquine, and it really started uh, when uh, former uh, veteran, uh, former service member Claude Lalancet came to Parliament Hill, uh, and it was well publicized. He had a hunger strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wanted to discuss the issue of methylquine wanted to meet with the ministers, and we ended up uh, starting uh, starting going down that path when Mr. Lalancet came to committee. There were others that came with him. We heard what the veterans were saying with respect to methylquine. We were listening to their family members as well. We had General Romeo Dallaire come mm-hmm. in. Uh, he spoke about the impacts and effects of methylquine, and uh, at the end of the nine-month study, uh, the issue of methylquine really dominated uh, a lot of our discussion. And it, in fact, uh, uh, between the witnesses, between the statements, between the briefs, we ended up with about a third of the study uh, wow. being related to the issue of methylquine and the effect that it's had not only on those that took it, but it continues to have on those that are affected by it. You know, I, this afternoon or this morning when I got up and I knew that we were doing this uh, this interview today, I had put on my my Facebook page because um, I'm an honorary colonel in the Air Force and of course I saw that, yeah. yeah and Edmonton is um, of course we have the the huge military base uh, here third Canadian division um, big part of this out here and I had put up there any of my military friends take mefloquine and some of the comments coming in um, said yes in Somalia had lots of vivid dreams and nightmares put in hospital three days because of body unexpectedly shutting down I stopped sweating in 34 degree temperature no explanation or reason told it was a flu bug and another one who's in the medical side of the army says I hated the medicine I had to take it for a couple of tours and I suspect those are some of the stories are similar to what you heard Right. And, you know, we, we certainly heard about uh, methylquine and the effects. Uh, it was well documented that everybody uh, used to speak about methylquine Mondays uh, when they took the drug once a week. In fact, I had a meeting with uh, some veterans this morning here in Barrie, and they were talking about the issue of methylquine as well. And so we were hearing about the episodes of psychotic behavior, hallucinations, feeling sick to your stomach, having nightmares. Uh, Romeo Dallaire, uh, in testimony that's documented uh, at the committee, he said the first day that I took methylquine for Somalia, he immediately felt sick. Hmm. 
Uh, he said his vision would go black, he'd see stars, he'd feel disoriented, and uh, he actually questioned his ability to, to think and to command. And so, wow. uh, again, you know, with all of the evidence that we heard from not only those that took it, but also the impact on family members, the mood swings, the, the uh, fits of rage and depression, uh, we couldn't ignore uh, what we heard as part of, the, uh, as part of our supplementary report to this uh, report on uh, PTSD and mental health to submit that supplementary report based on what we heard from those veterans. Yeah, when you talk and you hear that uh, General Dallaire was saying that and questioning whether or not he was uh, fit to command after taking this medication, and then there was there was other testimony as well, and um, in whether or not it could have possibly pay, played a role in the action of two soldiers in Somalia. We know that story. The, uh, a Somali teen was killed in 1993, if I remember correctly, that led to the disbandment of the the, the, the airborne regiment. And now, um, I know both opposition parties are asking for, I think, an independent body to investigate if there was a connection. Do you believe there might have been, John? Well, I, when you listen to the evidence that we heard, and the evidence was clear about the you know psychotic uh, uh, effects of uh, the drug on many, many of our veterans, uh, the hallucinations that would... Uh, you know, ensue as a result of taking the medication. And even the evidence that we heard within committee, uh, first-hand evidence of what happened that night, mm -hmm. uh, it was hard to ignore. And that's why, certainly on our side, we felt compelled to uh, ask for uh, an independent look into the events that happened that night. Of course, the Somalia inquiry was shut down. Uh, so what we're saying is we're not looking for another inquiry, but we want an independent look into whether, in fact, uh, the, the drug uh, had an impact on the events that happened that night. And it wasn't just us, as you, as you said. It was uh, Irene Matheson in her dissenting report, a uh, member of the NDP, uh, who's a member of our Veterans Affairs Committee, said exactly the same thing. And that's, ex that's what we are looking uh, for and looking to have done as part of our supplementary report to uh, the report that was tabled to Parliament. Uh, so what what is rec being recommended now? I know, um, I think the DND and uh, Health Canada just recently said there is no evidence of permanent problems with this drug. I mean, I think a lot of folks are questioning whether it's just, was it short-term or, in fact, there was long-term. When you look at the studies by Health Canada and what DND is saying and what you're being told by veterans, and after this report came out, some of them are still saying, okay, you're not listening to us. This, this is real. This is happening where do you go from here well we received uh, you know clearly what we what we got from veterans was anecdotal but we started also hearing uh, clinical evidence uh, as we went through the work of the committee on this mental health and PTSD study that that there are uh, in fact uh, some physiological changes uh, we talked about uh, and the evidence that was presented was, in fact, that there's brainstem injury that was caused as a result of methylquine. So hmm. it could, in fact, mask the symptoms of PTSD. And we heard from one veteran in particular, Dave Bona, mm -hmm. uh, who talked about a different type of treatment that he was receiving that was dealing with the effects of a brainstem injury as opposed to PTSD. And he was finding some relief. In fact, his wife, again, anecdotally came to committee and said, yes, I saw a big difference 
once his treatment started going in the direction of it being treated as a brain stem injury, that uh, that he his behavior became different. Now mm-hmm. it became you know less frequent that he would he would go into uh, issues of rage, for example. But they saw that the it was working, and so you know when the Surgeon General issued his report a couple of weeks ago, uh, it talked about you know the evidence that existed today. We think we think that we need to go back and really. Uh, reach out to the veterans who took methylquin uh, to find out whether, in fact, what kind of effects, physiological, psychological, or otherwise, that this had. And I know that our allies are doing studies mm-hmm. as well. So Canada was actually the last one to really issue uh, the alert that uh, this was going to be a drug of last resort. Germany last uh, just uh, last uh, year uh, uh, issued this methylquin as a drug of last resort. Other allies like Australia, the United States, Great Britain have done the same thing. So we're very pleased to see that Canada has fallen in line with that, mm-hmm. but it still doesn't speak to the effects that this drug continues to have on those that took methylquin, as I said earlier. This could, in fact, uh, be a brainstem injury as opposed to PTSD, which we heard evidence of throughout the committee that it, it, it could mask the symptoms of PTSD because it is, in fact, a physiological uh, brainstem injury. Yeah, and, and let's get proper treatment for the proper for the proper things, right? When it and comes down to it, line. knowing yeah. that this, knowing that the potential exists for this, we need to make sure we move to getting our veterans the help they need. If in fact this is the case. MP John Broussard, the MP for Barrie Innisfail. Boy, you live in a gorgeous part of this country, John, let me tell you that. Uh, who is also. It, but it sounds like you guys are going to have a great weekend this weekend. Yeah, it is really nice weather out here this weekend. And uh, John is also the PC critic for Veterans Affairs. Um, the, the report has now been passed on to uh, Veterans Affairs Minister Kent Air. What are you hearing from him? Well, we're not hearing anything at this point, uh, although there was a question my colleague Kathy Wagenthal uh, posed a question in question period to the minister the day after the report was tabled and uh, we didn't hear much we didn't expect to hear much because the government has to uh, digest this but again it's important to understand that the issues of the supplementary report and the recommendations that not only we made as the conservative members of the Veterans Affairs Committee, but also that Irene Matheson made as, as the NDP mm-hmm. member, uh, really, it's an issue where, you know, we raise the awareness of what we heard at committee to the government, uh, but the recommendations, the 19 recommendations that are within the report, the government will have to respond to those recommendations. There is a section with respect to methylquin in there, but again, we felt that it didn't go uh, firm enough, uh, given the evidence that we heard from the veterans. So I do expect that the government will be responding. There's an obligation on their part Mm -hmm. to respond to this. Uh, but specifically on the issue of methylquin, we'll see what they have to say about that. They haven't said much up to this point, uh, other than what we heard from the sir or what we read in the Surgeon General's report. But again, uh, you know, we need to go back further uh, to when this drug was issued to our soldiers, as you said at the onset in Somalia, Rwanda, and really recognize that there is uh, an impact or a potential impact to this drug and how we're going to, going to help veterans who took it. Well, a lot of folks are going to be watching this one closely. John, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon to uh, go over this. And, you know, I, I know there it's not going to be the first option anymore. That's what they say. DND is not going to be the first option. I question whether or not it should be an option at all. 
Well, I, uh, you know, there's a lot of evidence to agree with that. And the bottom line here is that we make sure that we take care of our veterans. Those that took methylquin, those that served our country, need to know that they have, uh, you know, the government on their side to understand <laughs> that this is a, a significant issue, not just among the veteran community, but also the civilian community as well, because methylquin is still being issued uh, to uh, people that enter into malaria zones. Mm-hmm. And it could be military or civilian. Yeah, for sure, man. Okay. You have a, you have a busy job right now as a veterans affairs critic, let me tell you. We do. <laughs> yeah. and, but we have a good team working with us, Kathy Wagenthal out of Yorkton, Melville, and uh, Robert Kitchen, uh, who's the vice chair of the committee. Uh, and we, we're, working, we're working on behalf of our veterans, believe me. Well, thank you for that. John Brassard, I look forward to talking to you again sometime down the road. My pleasure. Thanks so much. There you go, MP John Brassard. He uh, represents Barry Innisfail, uh, and uh, for the, for the PCs, and he is also, of course, the PC critic for Veterans Affairs. And you read a little bit more about this drug, and I know some folks take it and not a problem whatsoever. And I've heard. Um, Completely different stories on the other side. Uh, it's uh, it was a fascinating read. If you get a chance, and if it's something that uh, interests you, you might want to take a take a look at it. And especially, man, as uh, John said, you know, it is being tr- it is being prescribed to civilians as as well if they're doing any traveling. It's two twenty two on this gorgeous Friday afternoon right here at six thirty. Ched afternoon news. We'll take a break here. Be back after this. There's a new list out, my friends, um, that that puts together the top 50 most amazing Canadian songs. And that one was number 10. You can call it Canadian content. You can call it whatever you want. The songs that you hear over and over again. But the list has been put out. 50 tunes that apparently sum up Canadian music. Which song does it for you? In number 9... Terry Bush, Maybe Tomorrow. I think that's the, the theme song from, from, what was it, the Old Yellow or something? The Littlest Hobo. Oh, The Littlest Hobo. There are songs on this list that I'm not sure I've ever heard of, and I worked in music radio for, for a number of years. And there's, there's songs on here, I'm like, oh, really? But then there's artists on here that have been completely left off. There's no Paul Brandt. Paul Anka, he's Canadian, isn't he? Pretty sure he is. There's no Nickelback. How can you have a list of Canadian tunes and not have possibly the biggest Canadian act, whether you like them or not, on this list? Yeah, Paul Anka is, is Canadian. So what tune is it for you? I thought I'd also see more Tragically Hip. Uh, they seem to be, you know, the band uh, right now. I think a lot of folks think of as pure Canadian, Canadiana. When you when you ask that question, Rush. What do you think? Let me know at six thirty, six thirty. We'll have some fun with it on the other side of the newscast.
the 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.